Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Just turn your palms towards heaven. Come on, turn your palms towards heaven. Say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that today, New Year's Day, everything is about to shift. The greatest days of my life, of my journey on this third rock from the sun is about to take shape this year. I break off every lie, every limitation of the evil one, and I embrace the unlimited potential in the power and the promises of God. Amen. Amen. Come on, one more time. Give God a great praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Grab your vision card. Go ahead, grab a seat. Grab your vision card and begin to fill it out. Uh, many years ago, um, and we've, we've been, Leanne and I have been doing our vision cards for probably over 20 years, even before we started the church. It was something that we brought with us. And uh, what's, what was so amazing is I can't tell you how many times I would sit and I'd kind of, kind of lower the bar a little bit, if I was honest with you, saying, well, you know, God's busy. There are people starving in third world nations. I don't want to bother him. And I don't really need anything. And, you know, and so I would lower it. And then the Holy Spirit would always kind of rebuke me, Chris. And he'd say, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I, I, I don't want to bother God. And he's like, you're not bothering him. You're offending him. I'm like, how am I offending him? He's like, you're asking for little tiddly things. I'm like, well, I don't want to put him out. He's like, you actually insult God because you're saying, hey, I'm not asking you for anything big because it might be difficult for you. I'm not asking for anything big because it might be difficult for you. The Bible says, is anything impossible to God? Is anything difficult with God? Let me just say this, and I need you to hear correctly. Your, your, your faith is the size of your ask. There was a K on the end. Your faith is the size of your ask. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. Let me, let me just do this because I prayed for somebody in the last service and I felt a real strong anointing on it. And I just want to shatter. If you've come from another church, another denomination that you were brought up in and you were taught that, hey, we, should, we shouldn't ask for things, especially material things, temporal things, present things, that you know, somehow we should just be, you know, just live with just gratitude and contentment. And I'm not saying don't be grateful. I'm not saying don't be content. But the Bible says, Jesus speaking, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Mark 11:24. Whatsoever things you ask for, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And then it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things, clothing, 
food, possessions, all these things will be added unto you. The things that the Gentiles pursue as number one, God says, don't make them number one, make my kingdom number one, and then you'll find that they fit perfect and they don't become idolatrous in, in your world. But nowhere in the Bible does it say, don't ask, don't believe, don't press. The Bible says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. So in this house, I wanna give you permission to prosper. I wanna give you permission to flourish. I wanna give you permission. Now, you may say, well, you know, pastor, I only need this much. Stop being greedy. You greedy, well, what are you trying to say? Greed is actually, I've got just enough for me. I can't believe when I first got saved, Christian, all these nitwits that I would sit with who would kind of challenge, say, well, you know, you, you go to one of those prosperity churches. Yeah, you, you should only just have enough. Well, just enough for who? Yourself. You selfish little git, really? You were never meant to have just enough for you. If I was the devil and I wanted to sell you a lie, I'd tell you just live a life with a vision for just enough for you. That's not from God, that's from the devil. You can never have too much money. Just let that land. You can have not enough. If you, said, if you came to me, if you made an appointment and said, hey, pastor, man, oh, I got too much money, I can help you. I can fix that problem. We got campuses. We got schools that we're trying to build. We got vision. We got orphanages. We got eight villages that we, that we have in Peru that we're trying to look after. You can never have too much. You can have not enough. So get a bigger vision. Get a bigger vision for your life. Anyway, that's, that's none of my notes. Come, come with me. Uh, the first thing that you heard in the video, Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light, light was. God said, let there be light. God's word brings light. God's, God's word is its own source of light. In Genesis 1 verse 3, God said, let there be light, light was. If you read your Bible, which we encourage, you'll find that God does not create the sun till the fourth day. Yet there was light on the first day. There was no sun till the fourth day, but there was light on the first day. God created light. God sent forth his word on the first day, let there be light, and light was. And then it took another three days before he got around to making a sun. Because God wants to show you that his word don't need no help. His word doesn't need any assistance. His word doesn't need a thriving economy. Do you know that there's, there's no annual angel visitation declaration where, you know, the archangel Gabriel comes down every year, 1st of January, and says, ladies and gentlemen, earthlings, people of the planet, uh, the blue planet, the third rock from the sun, um, the following cities no longer qualify for the word of God because the economy is out of control in the following places. New York City, San Francisco, Moscow, London, New York, Paris, San Diego. Sorry, you're in there. N never happens. God's word has its own light source. God's word, when God said let there be light, he didn't need a sun. 
Because his word works. His word works in the dark. His word works in the famine. His word works in the drought. His word never fails. They crucified the word. The word went into the tomb. The word went into the ground. The word looked like it was dead. But you can't kill the word of God. The word of God went into death, crushed death, tore a hole in death, and rose again, conquering death, conquering hell, because the word never returns void. It always overcomes that for which it is sent out. Every single one of us live under words. If people in East County knew what was being preached today, we wouldn't have enough seats in here. If people understood the power of the gospel, the power of the word of God, it, it would be standing room. There, there'd be people pushing and fighting to try to, to get in. There'd be riots of people trying to get in if they understood. Because every single human being lives under a word. It doesn't matter who you are. Every single human being lives under a word. Even as I'm speaking, there is a narrative in your head that is going off. In some of you, it's agreeing. Others, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that might work for him. Oh, he's probably born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Oh, he's probably just brought up on the right side of the He doesn't know my life. How can he? And, and you, there's a narrative. My job, my assignment, our assignment is to get you out from under that word and put you under this word. Jesus says, my words are spirit and they are life. All words are spirit, but not all words are life. You live under a word. You live under a word where maybe the word is you're a failure. Poverty is just how, how life is. Life is difficult and then you die. Life is a struggle. Life is cruel. Life is unfair. The odds are always stacked against you. You're just the little guy. How can you make, oh, you know, the government is too strong and you're just, you're just a cog in the wind. Whatever word you're living under, can I tell you, if that word doesn't line up with the word of God, ditch it. Why, why, why are you riding with that thing? And some of us, we're not just riding. It's not just sitting shotgun. For some of us, the thing's driving your life. You've let it into the steering wheel. Get it, pull the car over. Go over to the driver door, grab that thing, kick it out, put the Word of God in there and say, okay, we're resetting our life. Every single one of us live under a Word. I want you to live under the Word of God. Why? Because point two, vision is a GPS. Vision is the GPS because your life will move in the direction of your vision. Your life will move in the direction of your vision. I was... Uh, trying to, a couple of years ago, trying to get my wife from always hurting herself snowboarding and not deciding she was done with snow to, babe, skiing is much easier. And our three youngest kids ski, so why don't we all just ski together? But she had a fear because she'd fallen so many times and hurt herself because the great thing about snowboarding is when you catch a rail, you, you go usually head first into the ground. And so Leanne had done that so many times she was afraid. And so uh, I took her up and, I, and, and I'm trying to teach you to ski. And I said, it's really, really very simple, baby. I said, if you just turn your head, your skis will follow. Wherever you want to go, just, just turn. Just turn your head and your skis will follow. Your life will move in the direction of your vision. God puts your eyes in the front of your head because your life moves in the direction of your vision. The reason I use the analogy of GPS is because when you come into the house of God, God wants to set a new vision. He wants to give you a new destination. He wants to give you a new destiny for your life. 
you don't, I don't need a GPS on how to get to Balboa campus. I don't need a GPS anymore on how to get to Eastlake campus because I know how to get here. I need a GPS to help me get where I've never been before. I need a GPS to help me get where I've never been before. This year, God wants to give you a vision. The purpose of vision is to help you to get where you've never been before. All right. Uh, let, let, let me break it down this way. My, my father's father was a violent, abusive man. He was an alcoholic, and he would beat uh, my father and his siblings. My father ran away from home at 14. He wouldn't forgive his father, lives in incredible bitterness towards his father, resented his father, hated his father. But because he wouldn't forgive his father, because he wouldn't release his father from his transgressions, because he wouldn't release, he is not released. So he became the very epitome of the things that he wouldn't forgive, and he became a violent, abusive alcoholic. I remember when I was 16, my father came home very, very drunk. Mum and dad got into an argument which escalated into an altercation, and then my father began to become very violent. I thought at 16, somebody has to protect mama, so I tried to protect my mom. My father turned around and punched me in the face, knocked me into the wall. As I fell to the ground, I was trying to get up. He picked up a chair. His eyes were in a demonic rage, and he picked up the chair and went to smash the chair over my head. Fortunately, the legs of the chair hit the wall, taking most of the most of the impact. So when the chair did hit me, it didn't hit me with full impact. Had it hit me with full impact, I may not be here today. And I remember crying in my bedroom, making these inner vows that I don't have what it takes to be a man. I'm not a man. I'm too skinny. I'm too weak. I'm no good. And then I made a vow that when I turn 18, I was going to beat my dad's head in. When I turn 18 and I'm physically big enough and strong enough, I'm going to beat my dad's head in. I started boxing and became quite a decent amateur boxer. And so I was looking forward to that. And in fact, I was waiting. I was waiting for dad, just, 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 just bait mom, just because I knew I could, I could take him out in, in 30 seconds or less. Every week, I was spending my entire paycheck down at the pub. My entire paycheck was gone on alcohol. Instead of beating my dad up when I turned 18, I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And God showed me, God showed me that my grandfather was a violent, abusive alcoholic, that my father was a violent, abusive alcoholic. And at 18, I was already on the trajectory. I was already on the same pathway, spending all my money on alcohol, waiting, waiting for the moment my dad could slip up so I could beat my dad up. And I was already on the pathway to becoming a violent, abusive it was a repeat cycle. So God had to step into my life and give me a brand new vision, bring deliverance with his word so that I could have a GPS so I could go to a destination that I've never been before so that my children didn't have to grow up wondering if their daddy was going to be violent, if their daddy was going to be abusive, if their daddy was going to be an alcoholic. They never had to fear for their lives. They never had to watch their daddy beat or abuse their mama. In fact, what my children have witnessed is a, a daddy that loves 
to their mama, a daddy that champions, a daddy that is gentle. That's not me. That's the power of the gospel. I'm telling you today that whatever your past is, God wants to put a GPS. He wants to put fresh vision on the inside of you so that your future doesn't look anything like the trajectory that your past has tried to, to, to create. I remember reading the story about a young boy who was born in, in the Middle East and his father passed away before he was born. And so he grew up and his mother remarried and he had a stepfather and his stepfather used to take great joy, great delight in beating and abusing this little boy. Not only the, the, the stepfather, but the stepfather's brother, his, his uncle, would also take great delight. They, you would bully this kid and bully this kid and beat this kid and bully this kid. One day when he was 10, he got a hold of a gun. And now it was his elder sister's husband, his, his brother-in-law, who also joined in the bullying and started until he pulled out the gun. As soon as he pulled out the gun, everybody freaked. And then he shot his brother-in-law dead. He went to prison for six months as a 10-year-old. And he got out. And when he got out, everybody feared him. No, no, nobody challenged him anymore. He had, all of a sudden, he had this newfound respect. And he learned the power that is available in the gun. That man grew up to become Saddam Hussein, who became a dictator in the Middle East, and he'd often be seen shooting his rifles, shooting his guns. In fact, his strategy was to create a super gun so he could conquer the world. See, at the age of 10, this kid discovered a vision in his heart that became the GPS of his life. Your life will move in the direction of the values of your heart. What dominates your mind will control your life. What dominates the thoughts and the thinking of your head will dominate the direction of your life. That's why the Bible says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but rather be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good, that perfect, acceptable will of God. I remember reading another story about a, a, a sixth grade field trip in Germany that went to the Hofburg Museum in Vienna where the, you know, the, these little sixth grade students, 12 years of age, are kind of mucking around and playing all kinds of other games, who's got the cooties and all kinds of silly games and not really interested in the museum. But there was one of the students, a young man, skinny little boy, that when they got to one of the artifacts, and the artifact was the, the Spear of Longinus. The Spear of Longinus. And he looked, and th there was a, a, an encryption above the, the Spear of Longinus. It's also known as the Spear of Destiny. And it says that this is the spear that one of the Roman soldiers, whose name was Longinus, used to, to plunge into the side of Jesus Christ to make sure he was dead. And there was an, an, an encryption written above it, and it said this. It says, he who possesses the spear holds the destiny of the world in their hands. This little boy was mesmerized. He who, holds the, he who possesses the spear holds the destiny of the world in his hands. When that boy grew up, 1938, he was elected into power. And the first thing he did when he got elected into power was he took his army, marched into Austria, went to the museum, and by force took the spear of Longinus, took the spear of destiny. That young boy was Adolf Hitler. 
He believed that if he possessed the spear that pierced Christ, he would hold the death. At 12 years of age, he lived with the vision and his life moved in the direction of the vision. They found the spear of Longinus in the, the Nuremberg Fortress. They found it on, on April 30, 1945, which incidentally was exactly the same day that Adolf Hitler committed suicide in his bunker. But his life moved in the direction of his vision. The reason that we do Vision Sunday where I don't tell you the vision of the church and, hey, we need you to get in behind the vision of the church because it hasn't changed. Impact the city. It's pretty simple. Let's move on. I want to know what your vision is. What, what are you believing for? What, 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 because it's so important that you have a vision. The Bible says, Proverbs 29, 18, without a vision, the people perish. Without a vision, the people cast off restraint. You're meant to live with vision. God, do you know, seven times, seven is the number of perfection. Seven times in the New Testament, Jesus heals a blind man. Seven times. Why? Because you're meant to live with vision. Vision is the GPS of your life. Get a new GPS. And the last one, number three is vision is what you see when your eyes are closed. Sight is what you have when your eyes are open. But vision is what you see when your eyes are closed. The reason that vision is what you see when your eyes is closed is because you're not meant to live by sight, but you're meant to live by faith. Faith is when I close my eyes, I can see that God is the God of breakthrough. I can see that God is the God of the impossible. I can see because you're going to need that because vision will take you through negative circumstances. Vision will take you through droughts. It'll take you through downturns in the economy. It'll take you through market corrections. It'll take you through the pain of divorce or the pain of loss or the pain of foreclosure. It'll take you through all of those things because vision requires faith. In Joel 2, 28, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young men shall see visions, old men dream dreams. Old men dream dreams. It's very interesting. They, they say science has now discovered that for the first 40 years of a human being's life, we live out of the imagination center of the brain. You talk to a three-year-old or four-year-old about what they want to be when they grow up, they don't think that anything's impossible. They'll tell you they want to be an astronaut. They want to walk on the moon. They want to fly in outer space. They want to be a, a fighter pilot. They, 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 they have dreams and aspirations at three or four. It's only when we hit 16, 17, 18, 25, we begin to say, well, let's just lower the bar. Come on, as if that's ever going to happen. And we begin to lower the bar. The problem is that through tragedy and trauma, instead of living out of the imagination center, we start living out of the memory center. But God says something supernatural happens when I pour out my spirit. I reawaken the, the dreaming mechanism where you dream again. You may say, Pastor, I'm too old to dream. Well, Moses was 80 when he had an encounter with God at a burning bush. And he became the most mighty deliverer the planet has ever seen till Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the shadow and type of Moses stepped into the world. Your greatest days are in front of you when you have vision. God wants you to live with vision. Vision is what you see when your eyes are closed. Here's the problem though. Here's the problem. Every single one of us, because of life, because of the whole, the whole argument between nature and nurture, Nature is like, you know, am I just a product of my genetics? Or nurture, am I a product of my environment? I grew up in a dysfunctional home. I grew up in a broken home. I grew up in an alcoholic home. I grew up in an abusive home. I grew up in a... And so, so really I should lower the bar. Just two days ago, we were flying back from Salt Lake City. 
And Salt Lake City was freezing cold. It was snowing. I mean, it was just the thickest gray clouds. The wind was, I mean, it was just so cold. And we got onto the plane. I'm sitting next to my, my son, Ash, and we took off. And all of a sudden, the, you know, the, the pilot comes on. Boom. Uh, folks, uh, this is your pi- pilot here. Uh, we've now leveled out at 30,000 feet. Uh, we've turned off the seatbelt sign. Feel free to move around the cabin if you are seated, just in case of turbulence. We ask that you keep your seatbelt fastened. Uh, you're in good hands today. We've got uh, Elizabeth and Mary Jane in the cabin, and they're going to make sure that you go, blah, 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 and they just go on. Ash looks out the window and goes, Dad, Dad, look at this. How crazy is this? At 30,000 feet, all you saw was blue sky and sunshine. At 30,000 feet, there's blue sky and sunshine. When we were on the ground, we didn't see any blue sky. We didn't see any sunshine. All we saw was gray clouds, snow, rain, and cold. The reason you're the smartest people on New Year's Day is because you walked into a house that wants to tell you that you don't have to live your whole life conditioned by the ceilings that have been put over your life to tell you that life is cruel, life is unfair, poverty and dysfunction and addiction and brokenness is your portion because that's the circumstance, that's the, the nurturing, that's your environment, that's how it's always been for your family, for your daddy's family, for your granddaddy's family. There's a 30,000 foot level where the sun is always shining. The sun of the living God, his name is Jesus Christ. Where the sky is blue. It is blue sky. They're called blue sky opportunity. Blue sky real estate. Blue sky sky ventures. Blue Blue sky means that there's nothing that is impossible. You are created to live in the all things are possible network. The Bible says with God, all things are possible. With men, it is impossible. In this church wing, encourage you to get with God. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Not only when you get with God, not only when you receive His Son do you get born again, not only do you get forgiven, not only do you get cleansed, not only do you get redeemed, not only do you get all your sins washed away, you get everlasting life. But wait, there's more. No, not steak knives. What you also get is right here, right now, you get a power, you get vision, you get a GPS so that your destination is where you've never been before. Don't live in the cyclic patterns of your past. Let God put a fresh vision on the inside of you so that you can live in a place where you've never lived before. So get your vision card. Begin to write things on there. Begin to write personal things. The reason we do this is because I want you to see how faith works. But it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. What what if I don't drink or smoke? Awesome. But the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Yeah, but what about if I help little old ladies across the street? wonderful but without faith it is impossible right all right and what about if I pick up like you know shopping carts they've just put up on the and I collect them and I put them back hey that's good yes that's I'm not that's good but the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God God wants you to live by faith the Bible says the just shall live by faith so on your vision card fill out things that you're believing by faith God wants you to have a faith encounter God wants you to have a testimony this year of His goodness, of His provision. 
Leanne and I have been doing this for over 20 years. And Christian, if I showed you, I've got to be honest with you, there are some, some years I'm writing down and the Holy Spirit's like, you know, you need to go big. I'm like, oh, go big? All right, then I'm going to put a zero on it. <laughs> Regret it. Thinking the Holy Spirit's like, oh, I don't, I don't mean that. He just smiles. And then we get to the end of the year and I'm like, holy shnikey. Everything I put on there, He does exceedingly abundantly above. Everything that we have today is from this thing. Faith works. Faith works. You know, Jesus said this. He says, when I return, how many people know He's coming back? He says, when I return, will I, will I really find faith in the earth? He didn't say, when I return, will I really find love? Although we hear from everybody that, you know, the, the church just needs to be a lot more like loving. Like if the, if just need more. Jesus didn't say, when I return, will I find love? He didn't say, when I return, will I refine, you know, find peace? Like if only you had more beauty pageants. So we can ask the beauty contestants what they're believing for in world peace. That was meant to be a joke, but it flopped. <laughs> Jesus didn't say, when I come back, will I really find tolerance and acceptance? The number one thing that the devil attacks is faith. Why faith? Because a woman who for 12 years has been hemorrhaging, she's anemic because of a flow of blood she cannot stop. For 12 years she suffered, she spent all the money that she had going to the doctors, going to the specialists, Nobody could cure her, but rather she became worse. But one day Jesus was walking by and she came through the press of the crowd and she had to crawl on her hands and knees and she reached out and she grabbed the hem of his garment. So he felt his garment tug and, he took, and the crowd was all around him. And Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? And the disciple says, everybody. Everybody is grabbing. He says, no, 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 somebody touched me because I felt virtue, I felt power flow out of me. And the woman came and said, it was me. And Jesus said this, he said, watch this. He says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. And she was healed as soon as she touched. The reason I say that is because there are so many people that have been brought up with very, very poor theology and the theology is the God's will theology. Well, you know, Pastor, you know, if I guess, you know, it just mustn't be God's will. You know, if it was God's will, it would just automatically happen. For 12 years, this woman grew no better, but got worse. For 12 years. She comes behind Jesus and she grabs a hold of Jesus. Jesus has to stop and say, who touched me? Because he didn't know. It was a legitimate question. And then when the woman fearing said it was me, Jesus says, darling, your faith made you whole. The woman stole a healing. Just because Jesus wasn't intentional doesn't mean he wasn't willing. I just need to let that land. The reason in this house that we want to put faith on the inside of you 
is because the moments where Jesus is passing by, there may just be enough faith on the inside of you, blind Bartimaeus, where when you begin to cry out, Jesus, son of David, do you know the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders who study the scriptures daily had Jesus Christ who was born in Bethlehem, who grew up in Nazareth, like the scripture said, who would ride into Jerusalem on the colt, on the foal of a donkey. He fulfilled all the scriptures he was teaching and they could not see that he was the Messiah, but a blind man who didn't have sight but had vision said, Jesus, thou son of David, the Messiah comes from the Davidic line, And the one thing that was promised in the scriptures that I've heard my whole life is when the Mashiach, when the Messiah comes, that he will open the eyes of the blind. It doesn't say that the Messiah would raise the dead. Elijah raised the dead. Elisha raised the dead. Many of the prophets raised the dead. But the the sign that would define the Messiah was he would open the eyes of the blind. And when blind Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus, he cried out and they tried to silence him. They said, shut up. You're just a blind beggar. Excuse me, religious rabbi. Keep going on your way. We'll we'll take care of this little rep. And he just cried out all the more. Jesus, thou son of... Jesus stopped and commanded him to be called and says, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. I want you to have faith on the inside of you so that sight comes, so that vision comes, so that breakthrough comes, so that healing comes to your life. Jesus was passing by. Jesus was on his way to heal or or raise Jairus' daughter from the dead when the woman reached out and touched him. That's what Jesus stopped and said, I felt power flow out of me. It wasn't his intention to heal, but just because it wasn't his intention doesn't mean that he wasn't willing. There are a lot of people, you're waiting and waiting and thinking, well, I just got to get in line. Sometimes you just got to get out of line. You got to go through the crowd and you just got to get a hold of Jesus for yourself. It takes some tenacity. So come on, let's stand to our feet. What do you believe in God for this year? You don't have to move to another state. You don't have to move to Montana to buy a home. If you've got crippling student debt and you're trying to figure out a way, man, how do I chip away at this thing? Right on there, debt supernaturally paid off, debt canceled. Everything that I've I, I put on our cars, like it is crazy. Now listen, I'm gonna use a, a crude term. If people understood the magic and I, I use that term because people don't understand the anointing. We sang the, the song uh, called Rattle. This is the sound of dry bones rattle. Boom, boom, boom. Open the graves. I'm coming out. I'm going to live. I'm going to live again. Is anything impossible with God? And then it talks about ask the man who was thrown on the bones of Elijah. When Elisha died, They put him in a tomb. The Bible says that year Moabite raiders were out raiding and one guy got shot with an arrow and died. They took his dead body and they threw it just into a cave, not realizing it was where Elisha's bones were. The Bible says when the man rolled down on top of the bones, he revived and came out and they were freaking out because he was dead and now he's alive. Because the anointing produces life where there's death. The anointing, it didn't say that, that, you know, he fell down and changed color. 
he fell down and put on muscle mass. It says, when he fell on the bones of Elisha, the dead came to life. The impossible became possible. Resurrection. That's what the anointing does. And the, 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 the access to the anointing is faith. Faith is writing on your vision card, something that you believe in God for. Can I tell you what we do? Leanne and I put this on our fridge. I think she does it intentionally because she knows I like to snack. I go to the fridge when I'm bored. I'm like, hmm, what's in here? But every time I go to the fridge, this vision card, she puts it this way so that I can see what we've written. Whether I'm going there for a drink or whether I'm going there for food or a snack, every time I go to the fridge, there's my vision card. And I'm like, that's right, God. Do this in our family. Do this in our children. Do this in our finances. God, I'm believing you. What are you believing God for this year? Believe big. Believe big. Don't just live a small life. Small life is where you live just enough for you. There's an old Chinese proverb. Man wrapped up in himself make very small package. Don't live just for you. Don't make just enough money for you. The Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Live large. Live big. The God that you and I serve is a big God. He's a great God. What are you believing by faith? Believe addictions broken. Believe habits. Habits that have maybe taken years to form, that have put ceilings over your life. Vices, addictions, dysfunctions. Believe they're going to be broken in 2023. A couple of years ago, I had a beautiful young lady. Her father was very abusive, so she ran away and she decided if I could just get married, I could get out away from my father, not realizing that the, the very things that attracted her to her husband were the things that were broken in her father. So she left abuse only to go from the frying pan into the fire, married abuse. After five years of just constant abuse, she got divorced and she made an inner vow, I'll never marry again, I'll never marry again. But she lived with this torment of, I'll never marry again but I don't want to grow old by myself. I'll never marry again because I don't know if I can trust my judgments around men, but, but I, 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 don't, I don't want to live alone. I want to make memories. And she lived in this torment. She came to Vision Sunday. She realized that she needed God to bring healing. She needed God to bring deliverance. But then she also wanted a husband. It was within six months she met a great man. Today, her testimony is that God has done exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think. He's so kind. He's so loving. He's so attentive. I'm growing old with somebody that I love that loves me. But it happened on a vision Sunday. What are you putting on your card? What are you believing God for? GPS gets you to somewhere where you've never been. GPS gets you to a destination. We get the word destiny from destination. Don't let the devil dictate your destiny. Let God, let His Word, let His power, let His principles drive your destiny. Come on, turn your, turn your vision card before heaven. Let me pray over it. Lift it up high. Heavenly Father, I thank You for fresh vision. 
I thank you for a new day. I thank you for a greater day. I thank you for breakthrough. I thank you for miracles. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. In this house, we don't believe in miracles. We rely on them. In this house, we don't believe in miracles. We rely on them. We're not, we'll cross our finger, knock on wood, rabbit's foot, hope we get a miracle. How many people know the rabbit's foot didn't help the rabbit? Little three little three-legged rabbit hopping around. You don't need to what what you and I call miracles is just God showing up. Did you know not once did it say, and when Jesus finished doing miracles, he took off his shirt because it was wringing wet with sweat. Do you know Jesus never had to strain for one miracle? Didn't break a bead of sweat for one miracle. The only time he sweated was when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, looking at the cross, looking at the crucifixion. But miracles, easy peasy for God. The miracle zone is the normal zone. The miracle zone is you're now in the God zone. But if you need a miracle, you're in the right place. God is a God of the miraculous. Father, I thank you for breakthrough. Thank you for vision. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for properties. I see titles being transferred. I see keys coming into hands. I see debts being supernaturally canceled. I see bodies being healed. I see lives being transformed. I see babies being conceived. I just, I just saw that. I saw babies, 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 at least two right now. Babies conceived in wombs right now, right now, where you've been given a diagnosis or a prognosis of barrenness. I cancel that in Jesus' name. I see babies. I see babies. I see family. I hear laughter. I hear rejoicing. New cars, new things, new homes. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.